Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. I'm going to preach about the F word today. It's awkward, eh? Everybody's like, which one? <laughs> no, actually, finance. What? Actually, this morning, I wanted to preach on this. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And why and what does that look like in 2023 in Sunningdale, living in Cape Town, having a job, having children, having all that we have, because sometimes we read, seek first the kingdom. Can you turn the mic down just a little bit for me, Rui? Shout. Sometimes I don't want to shout at people. <laughs> we read, seek first the kingdom, and we think to ourselves, okay, that just means kind of like it's this, it's this feeling inside. But actually, there's a whole lifestyle that gets associated to this. And so I wanted to start with this, if you can bear with me. I do like to rabbit hole. I'm an ADHD kid, and so I tend to find a topic and then deep dive this thing and read about it and explore. And, and so I wanted to show us why seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. I wanted to show us why that feels impossible. And it starts with, you have to look at the culture that has shaped you and the way that you are today. You are sitting here this morning, not with your own opinions and ideas. You have been shaped by the way that you've been brought up, by the secular world around you, by what you've lived and experienced, and what you are consistently bombarded with. That has shaped who you are. And the rebels are like, no, it hasn't. Yes, it has. Even the fact that you do that. And so I, I want to show us this, and I, and I think we so often do this. When Jesus taught that scripture, we so often go, it was so much simpler for him. That was an ancient Israel. They didn't have all the things. They didn't have all the problems. They didn't face the same things we did. And so often that's exactly what happens with Jesus. We just, we nullify it. But when Jesus says actually to one rich man, he says, go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then you can enter the kingdom. We think, well, that's what was for that guy. He would never say it to me. He would never expect that of us. And we kind of, we put the Bible in its box. And there's a reason why we do that. Bear with me as I show you this little bit of a rabbit hole. But my understanding of church has always been this. When we talk about finance or money or possessions, you just give 10%. You just tithe 10%. And then we'll, we won't worry about your 90%. That's up to you. You know, that's between you and God. As long as you give your 10%, then you are in a great place with God, and don't worry about it. And Jesus does completely the opposite, is that his focus and the thing that he addresses, and we're going to look at it in Scripture, countless times, is finances, is money, is possessions, is where you spend, because where your treasure lies, there is your heart. And this morning, even coming into this meeting, there is something that Jesus is after in your life, and it's not your finances, and it's not your possessions, and it's not, it's your heart. I want to introduce you to this character that a lot of us don't know about, or maybe you do, but his name is Edward Bernays. And he is the, the nephew of a guy called Freud, who had some funky ideas about life. Uh, yes, <laughs> if you laugh, you know. Um, and basically, this is one of the guys that after the war, he looked at Nazi Germany and what they were able to do with propaganda, and he thought to himself, what the American nation needs in peacetime is what the Nazi Germany had in wartime. And so he wrote a book called Propaganda. And 
he actually is one of the, they call him the father of advertising. He is the one who initiated all of what we see today and his ideas and thoughts and beliefs. And so bear with me. I just want us to deep dive on why your culture, why the way that you are brought up has shaped the way you think because you can't believe Jesus as the truth until you realize that what you do believe is a lie. And so, and this is, these are direct, I want to show you two examples, but these are direct quotes and excerpts of things that he wrote and said. Intrigued by Freud's notion that irrational forces drive human behavior, Bernie sought to harness those forces to sell products to his clients. In his 1928 book, 1928, eh? we're going quite far back, Propaganda, Bernie's hypothesized that by understanding the group mind, it would be possible to manipulate people's behavior without even realizing it. To test this hypothesis, he launched one of the world's most public, public relations campaigns, convincing women to smoke. Uh, this is not a meme. This is literally what happened. So this is what he did. Bernays had procured a list of debutants from the editor of Vogue magazine and pitched the idea that they could contribute to the expansion of women's rights by lighting up cigarettes and smoking them in public. Fifth Avenue. They invited the press. The press was warned beforehand and couldn't resist the story. The Torches of Freedom per Parade was covered not only by local but international newspapers, and Bernays was duly convinced that linking products to emotions could cause people to behave irrationally. In reality, of course, women were no freer for having taken up smoking, but linking smoking to women's rights fostered a feeling of independence. And so he automatically took an emotional response in people and sold them a product to solve it. Women were feeling oppressed and downtrodden and that they had no rights and they had no way, and so the answer was smoking because smoking was what men did. And so one of the ways that you can stand up for your rights is if you start smoking. And now we look back laughing, but how often is this in every other area of our life? The world and the systems of the world and those and invisible forces that actually govern the way we think and believe and behave are looking for the voids in our life that we experience and they want to give you something to meet that need. And it is predominantly materialism. It is most of the time stuff. This led to the next big concept. As soon as they started selling things to people, the problem was once you've got the machine going, how do you keep it going? And so the big opposition that we face in our culture is an example, is something called planned obsolescence, which means everything that you have is meant to die so that you get a new one. Your phone in your pocket, your laptop, your car you drive, your house you live in, your solar system you just bought and upgraded so that you have enough batteries and solar panels and You've been sold. It's only got a five-year lifespan, so when that runs out and ESCOM's not up, then you need to get more panels and more batteries, and I'm in the industry. I know this. And so there is this constant, everything that you have is going to become obsolete, and you'll need something new. So every October, in, in America, it's September. Here, it's around December. The new iPhone is launched, and there are nine different reasons why you need one, but that's not good enough. So what they do, and this is a 
this is an actual thing. There's actually a case against Apple at the moment. It was open in December. Because what they found is that Apple purposefully sabotaged devices with every update. So if you have an older device, and the, the, the case that's being used at the moment is, if you have an iPhone XR, just bear with me if you're not a techie, I'm sorry. We will get to the Bible, Nana. If you have an iPhone XR, and you are on iOS 15, and you update it to iOS 16, you are going to start to get problems on your touchscreen. It starts to not work as well. It starts to flick around, and people automatically start to assume, oh, I need a new iPhone. And that was released with the update. If you roll back to iOS 15, and this is an actual case going on. It's not me making up a story. If you roll back to iOS 15, which you can't go backwards, I wonder why, the phone works perfectly fine. And so one of the things that gets built into the culture that we live in, gets built into our lives, is we start to confuse our needs with our desires and our wants. And consumerism and having stuff dictates my emotional well-being, my mental well-being. People suffer anxiety, panic attacks, depression based on stuff. At this moment, we're all like, no, not me. Everyone but me. I'm completely not that guy. My new car's a company car, you know? It's not even mine. I want to read one more secular study, and then I feel like I've labored my point. This is a quote from a guy called Victor Lebeau, and he, he, this was published in the Journal of Retail in 1955. And these are, I'm, I'm showing you this so that you can understand that I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy theory. I'm, I'm a theorist. I'm not trying to be smart. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm trying to say to you, like, guys, there is a reason why Jesus taught this and why it's the truth and why it's so important. Because the culture and the things that we believe are the norm are not the norm. It's not this way in the kingdom. It's not this way to find life. But this will control your life. And so when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, he's not doing it for his benefit. He's doing it for yours. There is nothing better for you than the kingdom of God. There's no place you will find greater happiness and fulfillment and life than in the kingdom of God. Victor Lebeau says, our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption. This was issued to retailers worldwide. This is why we need to drive consumption. That we make consumption our way of life. That we convert the buying and use of goods into rituals. That we seek our spiritual satisfactions, our ego satisfactions in consumption. A measure of social status, of social acceptance, of prestige is now to be found in our consumptive patterns. The very meaning and significance of our lives needs to be expressed in our consumptive terms. The greater the pressure upon the individual to conform to safe and accepted standards, the more does he tend to express his aspirations and his individuality in terms of what he wears, what he drives, what he eats, where he lives, his car, and his pattern of food serving, ultimately, even his hobby. That is the driving force behind this propaganda, this, this, this blanket thing that we get sold of more, more, more. That's why when your car, which is driving perfectly fine, but it's a little bit old and it doesn't look like the one that you pulled up next to, there's nothing wrong with it. And the second you get an increase, you think to yourself, I deserve 
a bit of an up. I've worked really hard. I think I need a little bit more stuff. I work in an industry with the top of even like less than half a percent of our country. The industry I'm in is in home automation and most of my clients are in Banshee Bay, Clifton, Baronetti. These are cars and cars and cars and houses and it's ridiculous. And I wanna say that all you find more and more and more is more stuff, more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. The, the, as soon as you, because there is a hole and there is a void and we've been trained and taught that that thing, you just put stuff in that void. And then as believers, when Jesus, Jesus wasn't coming to say, I want everything, you give it to me because I need it. No, no, Jesus is teaching, go and get rid of everything because that's the thing that's got a hold of you. That's the thing that you'll never find life, joy, peace, happiness inside of. Everyone that's broke, say amen. <laughs> and everyone with money is like, yo, shush, this guy's so, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I do, I do find that funny. If you have nothing, this concept is so easy to, it's like, yeah, totally. Jesus have everything, including my debt and my credit card. It's all yours. It's yours. More. Positive bank balance. You're like, whoa, hang on a little. Generosity starts at home. I earned that watch. And these ideas have only become more to the extreme. My wife and I, we're having a conversation about the latest trend. If you do it, I'm not judging. I just don't understand you. Um, grounding where people now ground themselves on their bed at night because they believe that it's linked to your health and cancer. And so people, it's about your electrons and lying on the ground naked and grounding your bed. If you do that, I'm not, I, I'm not a scientist. I don't understand it. So me and my wife are having this conversation about grounding and she's on social media. And so she opens her phone and she's, she's looking through Instagram like a few hours later. And boop, up puts all this stuff about grounding and where you can buy these things. And, and so everything that, that, that started in the 1920s, 1950s, this consumer-driven culture, nowadays with technology, is just if you say it, that stuff's going to come flying at you all the time. I'm sure most of you have experienced this. You talk about, um, you know, those energy-saving lights. Now watch, all of you are going to get that on your, your like, take-a-lot feed. It's like... Energy-saving lights, what is going on here? It's, it's just more and more and more. Every, the, it is the, that is the enemy of this world that we are fighting against. What is your need? You need to meet that need. Because if I can keep you consistently trying to fill the hole, you won't have a look and you won't focus and you won't see Jesus, the one who takes you out of the hole. And for so many of us, there is a void in your life and you can throw as much as you want in it. You can throw the ultimate career, the ultimate family, the ultimate paycheck, the ultimate house, the ultimate sports car. You can throw what you want in that hole. It does nothing. And then the enemy starts to lie and say, no, not only is it your desires, it's your safety. It's your security. That's where your protection lies. And so we start to panic at the thought of not being able to get any more. So if the context of, if that's the culture that Jesus is speaking into, I want you to hear these scriptures, these things that Jesus taught. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one monthly, debit orders, keeping up with the Joneses, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 
the Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all of this, and what did they do? Scoffed at him. Yeah, that's rich coming from him. He's a carpenter's son. He knows nothing. He doesn't have any. Matthew 19, 23. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. This is not a, a hypothetical, rhetorical statement that Jesus is putting out there for us to try and understand the mystery. This is simple. If you have much, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because the more you have, the more access you have to filling your needs. And I'm not, please hear what I'm saying. If you've just bought new shoes, you're like hiding your shoes under the chair. You're like, <laughs> your one new pair of shoes is fine. But what about your second and third and fourth pair? I'm not saying you can't get stuff. I'm saying you, you, it's not you can't get stuff. It's stuff shouldn't get you. It's a fundamental problem. I'm, hello, I am that guy. I love cars. I'm a petrol head. Love cars. It's, and do you know what I drive at the moment mostly? A Fiat Panda. It's the bane of my existence. <laughs> and I keep thinking to myself, it's fine. As soon as this deal comes through, I, we don't need anything fancy. I just want to upgrade it. Just, you know, just so that I don't have to rock up in, in my little blue. It's even blue, so it even just looks worse. There's me in a little, like, bubble car. And I, and I promise you, that thought crosses my time every time I drive into town. And I promise you, it's even worse when I pull up to my clients and I've got to park next to the new Cayenne and a Ferrari and here's the little panda, like, whoop. And then I, I, I drive around and I see the, uh, the opposition in the automation industry and they all drive these big, nice BMs and they drive nice cars because they want to project tech and status and there's, here comes the panda. <laughs> and this thought so often crosses my mind of just like, oh, you know what, God, it'll be such an upgrade for me if I could just, I spend so much time in the car, it'll be such a quality of life upgrade if I could just, reality is, I don't need anything more than a it's going to get me to town every single time. I'm crying because I don't want to drive a panda the rest of my life. <laughs> it's so lame. Not the panda. The panda's amazing. If you drive a panda, God bless you. You and me are in the same boat. But it's so lame that this stupid little thing with four wheels has such a grip on my heart. I hate it. I hate it. I hate the fact that when a new iPhone comes out, I try and motivate myself why those six features are the features that I need in my life. They are going to change the world through me somehow. It's like the iPhone, the new iPhone. It's got the best camera. I don't even take photos. You can ask my wife. My, cam my iPhone, the least used function is photos. I hate photos. Least used function. If the new upgrade only has a better camera, I'm like, oh, I need that camera. 1 Timothy 6 verse 6. Yet true, godliness, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrow. I have experienced this. I'm not sharing his story, but I know 
Nick can tell you that this stuff, sometimes, just in the, the more you want, you, you see it in the secular world, at, the, at, at getting more, so often you put such a burden on yourself and you, you give yourself so much drama. It's just that next step in the career ladder. It's just that little bit more of prestige at work. It's just that little, that corner, you know, I get a parking. I don't have to park on the street. I, I get a little bit of something. There's just a little bit more. And, the, and the, the, the price that you pay is all the working hours and the demands and the stress and the anxiety. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll trade that. Pursuing wealth. So often you can pierce yourself with many sorrows. I've watched people through career choices walk away from that career overseas, that business, that great thing that was going to solve their problems and fix their needs. They completely stopped following Jesus in pursuit of that. That now their relationship with Jesus is, you know, it's just me and myself and, and that's how I'll go to church every now and then. I'll, I'll be there on a Wednesday. That's to the degree of what it looks like for them and for us, for me. I, did I remember saying to my wife in 2021, I wasn't in ministry, I was, I was busy starting a business, and I said to Sam, I don't, and I, this came out of my mouth, so I, the long, I'm not standing here pointing fingers at you this morning, I'm standing here pointing fingers at, guys, this is the reality of our lives, and this will take its pound of flesh in you, and I remember saying to Sam, babe, I don't care if I never go into ministry again, I'm tired of being broke. I'm like, I'm tired of the fact that we never get through. The fact that we always struggle along. And I, I said those words. Ministry, it's the greatest privilege. And in my own heart, I was like, if I just, I will serve God at a distance, and I'll give him my attendance, and I will even be better than some, and I'll even give him my 10%. And hey, I'll make a bigger amount of money, so my 10% will be more. Surely that impresses him. No, it's the widow with her last two mites that gave everything that Jesus said she has given more than anybody because of what it cost her. And I found myself in that boat saying, like, I just don't want to be broke. I'd rather be broke and serving Jesus and Him having everything inside of me than have everything that the world has to offer because it is meaningless. That new car, that new house, that new bike, that new toy, that new gadget, that new investment, that new business idea, that new home, that new flat, that, that pension one day, that barn house that you're going to build up, and when it's big enough, I'll just live off of it. Jesus says, you're, you're a fool. Because if you die tonight, you're left with nothing. Acts 20, verse 33, something Paul says. He says, I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I've been a constant example to you of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That scripture, I don't even know if we believe it is true. If, if the Bible, Jesus, Paul is saying, it's a quote from Jesus. It, who believes it's, more, it's better to give than to receive? And it's so bold to say, I believe it, because if you believe it, do you live it? Because it is. Because you can give when it hasn't got your heart. True. Now we can see why worship was tough this morning. <laughs> Hebrews 13.5. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So I wanted to come back to the scripture. And then I'm going to land where we started. 
is that there is a lie that we get sold on a daily basis. Statistics would say up to 5,000 times a day. I mean, I think that's old metrics. That's like, I think it's so much more now. It depends on how long your infinite scroll on your feed for. Probably more, the more you scroll. You're inundated with this belief of consumerism, and, and it, it's emotionally charged, so it drives irrational behavior. Like when you don't think you're going to get paid at the end of the month, the anxiety that you produce, it's actually irrational, but it's very real. The thought of not being able to service the car debt or to pay the, that stuff, people have taken their lives over that stuff. The anxiety around money, it's very real. But this is what Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples, and he says, you, don't be concerned with what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about these things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all around the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. He will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock. That's Jesus' term of endearment for his disciples. Like, they consistently get it wrong. Don't be afraid. If you're in an extremely difficult predicament where you are right now, <coughs> Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe you, you haven't got an income. Maybe you short every month. Maybe I want, I want you to hear this, mor this morning. The Lord is saying, don't be afraid, little flock. For it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Do you see that the Lord is saying, I, I want to give you the kingdom. The kingdom is a way of life where stuff has no hold on you. It's not that you don't have stuff. It's that stuff doesn't have you. It's that if you have two cars, what's it you, Cliff, do you need to use the car? Go for it. If you have extra rooms in your house, it's to have people live with you. If you have extra money to, for groceries, it's to give to others. If you have spare income, it's to have you don't have, to hope you don't have. Jesus says, this is what the kingdom looks like. It doesn't look like a group of people that get together every Sunday and we preach about the best way to steward your finances so that we can all become financially independent and that we're all doing away and that we're all comfy and cozy and then we can seek God together and we can worship Him and we can build amazing buildings. And No ways. The kingdom of God is that if stuff doesn't have your heart, it's easy. To, when you lose it, it means nothing. And when you get it all, it means even nothing. Sell your possessions. Give to those in need. I'm not joking. When I was preparing this preach this whole week, I was like, I, I really want to be liked by people. <laughs> I really want to be a preacher that guys want to listen to because I, I share something that encourages them and, and helps them and, and something that we can live out in our lives Monday to Friday. I don't want to be a guy that when I talk, guys are like, oh, there he goes again. Oh, Great. The fact is, I believe this to be true. This is the Word of God. If you are not living out this, stuff will have your heart, and Jesus won't fully have your heart, and it will be difficult for you. That's what he's saying. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for yourself in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old, never become obsolete, Never get a new update or develop holes, but your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. 
wherever your treasure is, and this is this morning, this is what Jesus is after, there the desires of your heart will also be. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart lies. This morning, Jesus wants your heart. Because stuff can so easily grab our heart. Not last Sunday, the Sunday before, we, we were having an incredible time of worship and we said, okay, cool, like guys, we did a weird service as normal, which has now become the norm here. Like, hey guys, if you want to go, you're welcome to go, but those that want to stay in worship, you can just, we're just going to worship. And I promise you, you ask anyone who stayed, God just pulled in in the most ridiculous way. And it's because it was like, God, I'm not, I'm not forced to be here. I'm here because I want to meet with you. I'm here because I want to seek the kingdom of God with everything. I want, I want the kingdom to be first. I want you to be first because outside of you, I don't have joy. I can't find it. I can't earn it. That's what the, the word that started this morning, the, the message that Candace shared. I'm in wonder of the grace of God. Why? Because do you know what the beauty of the, hev- of the kingdom is? You can earn wealth. You can earn stuff. You can't earn the kingdom. He gives it by His grace. He gives it through His mercy. And to anyone who wants to receive, He gives His grace and He gives His mercy.